We demystify what goes on behind the therapy room door. Join us on this voyage of discovery and co-creative conversations. This is the Therapy Show Behind Closed Doors podcast with Bob Cook and Jackie Jones. Welcome back to the Therapy Show Behind Closed Doors with the wonderful Mr. Bob Cook. You're looking very serious today, Bob. And myself, Jackie Jones. And what we're going to be talking about in this episode is repetitive cycles in the therapy room. (laughs) I was just thinking about what you just said there, that I look very serious. I wonder if I was looking serious because I was thinking about what I'm going to talk about. Or if I was serious just because I'm looking serious. I have no idea. But anyway, either way. I just um, looked up and you looked very serious, Bob, which isn't like you. <laughs> Could you just say what that title is again? It sounded very long. But I like it's it. Repetitive Cycles in the Therapy Room. Yes. And you know what, Jackie? Um, you're correct. We're going to talk about in the therapy, therapy room. Yeah. And, uh, and people, hmm, they go through repetitive cycles throughout the whole of their life. Yeah. Anyway, per yeah. se from beginning to end yes um whether we're in therapy or not but we're going to particularly talk about i think that process and maybe the destructiveness of some of these patterns and repetitions which aren't useful yeah so for me one of the things that kind of came up for me when I was thinking about this title is I've had clients in the past and probably still know that we do some work on something and we seem to be making great progress and everything is going in the right direction and then it's like we do full circle and go right back to the beginning again and you know I could think of one particular client where we've done that numerous times and in my head, I'm thinking, we've been down this road before. Why are we not continuing that way? Why Why do we keep looping back? And it's obviously because they've not processed it or they've not, it's not come to a conclusion for them or, or something. The needs haven't been met. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I know one of your favourite books is about, listen, in a way, um, Cycles of Power. Yeah. Pam Levin, yeah. Pam Levin. So I know you like the idea of cycles. Yes. Um, and repetitive behaviours aren't far off the idea of cycles. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And people come to therapy, really, I think, for a couple of major reasons. One, to get a different outcome. Uh, and secondly, to understand themselves. And I think with these repeated patterns... We keep repeating them and repeating them and repeating them and repeating them um, under the hope that we'll get a different outcome this time. Yeah. I did a Is podcast. that a sign of madness, though, Bob, when we keep repeating the same behaviour? Yeah, I think. But I just <laughs> want to say that about three or four podcasts ago, we did a podcast on hope and dread, I think, in the cycle. Yes, yes. And, and I was saying hope is the, one of the most dangerous words in English literature and one of the most liberating words in English literature. Yeah. Um, but here's the, the destructiveness. We continue repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating 
almost like learned behavior, I believe, for two reasons. One, with the hope things will change and that we'll get a different outcome. And secondly, um, to, well, three really. Secondly, for a, a complete structure. But thirdly, there's some relational needs which haven't been met. So we keep repeating, repeating, repeating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the other thing before I go into this again is just to acknowledge what you just said there. Um, that if you talk to therapists per se, one of their frustrations quite often is that they do lots of good luck works with clients, or they think they do, and then the client repeats old processes over and over and over and over again. And um, yeah, I think that's born out of therapists with frustrations actually, uh, because they want to achieve a quick fix. But but um, I'll get away from that counter transference. But I, I think people repeat, as I said, because they want a different outcome. Um, but we have to go, I think, with all repetitive behaviours, we have to go to the need that wasn't met underneath those behaviours. Yeah. In other words, how come these people are carrying out these repetitive patterns over and over and over and over again? And we have to get to the unmet needs underneath the patterns. Yeah. So game theory from TA is a useful piece of theory when we're looking at this. I mean, I know you know this because... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So games. The definition of games in transaction analysis is a series of repetitive, a series of repetitive patterns that we play over and over and over again as a maladaptive way or an attempt to get our needs met today. Yeah. Now, where we started playing these behavioral patterns out was way back in childhood as a way to survive, but they don't actually uh, completely meet our needs. No, because nobody wins in a game. No one wins, but we may survive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's familiar and we know how it works it's and all that sort of stuff. There's yeah. a sense of continuity, there's yeah. a sense of predictability. Yeah, all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we may also just be simply surviving. Yeah. But we have to get to the needs underneath the behaviours for change to occur. Yeah. Uh, we both agreed on that? Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. So there's you... also something for me about having to let something go in order to move on. And sometimes I think we become attached to our pain or our diagnosis or whatever it is. And letting that go is a really big deal. For a lot of us. Oh, it's very, very big deal. Yeah. Crikey. I mean, you know, um, to let go of behavioural patterns which are the basis of our script, even how, even if it's destructive scripts, if you like, or destructive, you know, destructive life plans. Yeah. Let that go and put a new life plan on the road. 
wow, that's a often such a big deal, isn't it? It is. It is. And to me, that's that's underneath all of this stuff that we're talking about. <laughs> the, the fear of letting it go, because often we've we've lived with it for so long. It's our purpose. It's it's yeah. That's correct. So what do you do then when you spot people and TA will be playing games, but other languages, you know, repeating these destructive behavioural patterns? What's your position as a therapist then? Well, usually I've been in sessions with the client for quite a while if we're repeating patterns of behaviour over and over again, and I do point it out to them. You know, I, I use humour a lot in, in the therapy and I will, you know, literally say to them, I feel like we've been here before or are you getting deja vu or something and kind of point out that, you know, even the words that they're using and everything is literally the same as what it might have been six months ago. Oh. And then just open that up, you know, as, as a communication that we can then discuss. Is this something that happens often that we repeat the same behavior and what you know yeah just explore it be curious do you work backwards um possibly no i mean thinking about the needs that haven't been met for the behaviors in the first place yeah yeah and you know i know we, we spoke of, i don't know whether it was a couple of ones previously episodes about reparenting do you know what i mean and, and looking at the need that wasn't met Can we meet our own needs? No. No. I, 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 yeah, that's no. what I was thinking. Yeah, but I was thinking that's a very interesting question. I said no almost spontaneously, uh, a bit provocatively, but I'd be really interested what your pondering or meandering is or thinking behind the question. When, when I was talking about reparenting and everything and, you know, sometimes we get into the relationship with the client in order to, you know, parent them in a more appropriate, appropriate way to then let them go. Do you know what I mean? It's not about co-creating something where they're dependent on us, but at some point, you know, they've kind of got everything that they need and we can let them go and, and everything's... Oh, yeah, I think that's a different process. You know, it's like I often think of my job as a parent uh, with my daughter and when she's now 24 and I think part of my parent is about part of the job as a father is to let go. Um, and so it is that, one of the most difficult things as a parent is to yeah. let go. So, so, yes, and hopefully I've done a good enough job in terms of developmentally um helping her uh meet the unmet needs that perhaps were were met you know yeah. so i think the significant other person the parent almost you know this developmentally you know uh, anticipates the needs of the child and, and as the child grows up developmentally and goes through the developmental tasks etc cetera, etc cetera, um they work through those needs uh satisfies those needs and move on if that's not if those had needs haven't been met for mutuality, for self-definition, for self-agency, you know, if they have a to the need to express love, if they haven't been met, I think what happens is, is the infant child growing up 
will how can I explain this? Play out patterns of behaviors in an attempt to get those needs met from others. Yeah. Because they weren't met by the significant others. Yeah. And I think that will happen throughout life. And you will see in numerous films, books, romantic stories, uh, the people that play out with other people, often very destructive behaviors in an attempt to get the recognition they never got from their father, for example, or their mother. Yeah. So we know that happens. Yeah, yeah. So it's impossible to get, it's impossible to meet our own needs. And most people come to therapy anyway, uh, who are wrestling with unmet needs, are attempting to get those needs met through the therapist. Or even if they don't come to therapy, they attempt to get those needs through, those unmet needs through relationships and often, often destructive relationships. And it's often while they come to therapy because yeah. those unmet needs have never been met. So they play out these repetitive behavioral cycles in an attempt to get a different outcome and get their needs met that were never met all those years ago. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I do agree with what you're saying, but there's, there's something for me about, I, I don't know, if we can't meet our own needs and validate ourselves and all that sort of stuff, that we're constantly demanding it from the people around us and what and see as jackie I was, I was sort of puzzled because what is wrong with that it's like if we haven't had those processes if we've yeah, not had yeah. needs and we've not had the recognition we've not had the validation how can we thrive now fortunately you know in 1984 and it wasn't it wasn't me saying i need to go to therapy actually someone came up to me and said, would you like to come into therapy? So I went into therapy for a very, very long time. Uh, and you can even still say I am now. And through that process with a significant other person, it led the way to me being able to get a lot of the validation, recognition, and the needs which I never had as a child from a significant other person today. And therefore, different narratives and sense of self-esteem and resilience was built. You cannot do it if you don't get it. It's impossible in my head. Yes, yeah, and I, I, do, I do agree with you, but is it a constant thing that we're constantly looking for recognition and validation throughout our life? Yes, I believe. Okay. okay. I, I believe that. Now, now, then we're into a whole other concept which you're talking about, I think, is if things like overindulgence, things like um, always searching and searching and searching and searching and searching. But you see, I believe that if we get the right nurturance, the right validation, the right love, we move on from that. Okay, yeah. We don't get stuck. We're not sorry. I have to go back a bit because when I said we're always looking for those validation and recognition all that sort of stuff i think we are but as we get our pot full we don't do that so intensely yeah yeah it's more a, a an entitlement through life 
We don't have that intense yearning for what we didn't have. So therefore, we don't go into the destructive cycles. We yeah. pick people who will be having the same script as us. And we don't we don't then spend a life of misery and yearning searching for that process, which we never had. That intensity is not there. There's been a sense of healing and a sense of transformation. Yes, I do. I do. I do agree with that. And I do get that. And, you know, the, the relational needs that we have, we, we never lose those. The need for some, you know, the other to initiate and you know all that sort of stuff that's not we don't get it once and then that keeps us going forever more we're constantly searching for that so i i do understand that yeah i think i don't research i think it's it's part well perhaps it is search but it's, i think that it's part of connection yes yeah and part getting of, our needs met is is, yeah. is part of a survival. Social, yeah social arena yes and I I, in what, my head, I think that's fine. Yeah, and I think what made sense for me was when you was talking about the urgency and the intensity of wanting, you know, the, the more that we get our needs met, the less intensity. intense we are and the less urgent it is. Yeah, I, this, I what, completely I get that. See, Jackie, I think there's transformation then. Yeah. I think that's the healing. Yeah. We can rest in peace then. So as therapists, it's our job to notice, you know, this repetitive cycle and, and take that as their needs still haven't been met. They're still looking for the recognition, the validation, and that's okay. Whatever it was. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah. And all romantic stories, all... Many of the soaps, a lot of the dramas on television, they're all about what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I do agree with what you said earlier on as well. I'm agreeing with a lot of what you say about that, you know, if a therapist is, is, is feeling uneasy about this, it's because they're looking for a quick fix. Yeah, I think so. I and is it that. something to do with our ego as therapists that we've yes. been here once? Yeah. Why are you doing yeah. this again? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote, as I said, the five, I wrote something called the five most effective qualities that a therapist needs to cultivate. Number one was humour, I think, in my list. Number two was patience. Yeah. Yeah. To develop patience. Um, and we have to understand that even if we go back 50 times, 60 times, 70 times, there's a reason for why we're doing that. And sometimes we also have to confront those behaviours. Yeah. From a caring position. Yes, yeah, yeah. And what is being unmet or what is it that you're attempting to tell me that isn't being told for us to go back and back this way? Yeah. That's what I mean by a caring confrontation. Yeah, and I, th I think, like I said, you know, I, I have pointed out to clients, it's a bit like deja vu. I feel like we've been here before. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, yes, I, I do understand that. Yeah. It's like breaking it. It's like the two of you breaking a code. Yes. Yeah. And it takes a long time to break that code. Yeah, because the client doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. 
they haven't got the tools they don't understand the under un, understandable yes. so it needs the therapist patience their wisdom their caringness their compassion to go to those places many many times and eventually we'll crack the code together yeah and it's a really good way of putting it because we are we are very complex creatures and it's not there isn't a book that tells us how to do all of this because we're all unique and we're all individual and we're really clever at working out how to survive and cover our tracks very well yeah though i'm writing a book yeah did this called <laughs> the psychotherapy cookbook you're writing a book yeah called psychotherapy cookbook i need a copy when it's done <laughs> i won't be done for a while because i'm the one of the worst person disciplining myself but i'm taking eight of the uh, basic mental health issues of the day depression anxiety stress etc etc and looking at the ingredients that make up these ailments and how we can put how we can have different ingredients in our cake i love that and it is true we we are i just think we're really good writing our scripts at a really young age and locking it and throwing the key away and often we need the key yeah. to yeah. to get in there and work it all out <laughs> you're absolutely right so it's about and we we do that to survive yes and and, and then we realize that survival is you know not just what it's all about we need to you know we need to help define the key to have a different type of life yeah when we go to therapy yeah i would never have gone to therapy <clears throat> i started to go to a lot of personal growth groups in the beginning of the 80s and that led to, to a situation where a therapist came up to me and said you know would you like to have some therapy basically it wasn't quite like that but, I was thinking that because it's not very ethical, is it? It's well, going we're up to something. About, we're talking about the middle eighties. You need um, a bit of therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, middle nineteen eighties or something. It wasn't quite like that. I was saying a bit simplistically, but yeah. however, I got. But I was ready to go into therapy. I think, you know, and um, it, it needed the help of a compassionate, caring, loving other person to stay with me while I went through a lot of those destructive patterns. And eventually, you know, um, together we found the code. Does it depend? Like, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a direct question. Was you, was your therapist a female or a male? A, fe a female. My you, first ever therapist was a female. Do you think that makes a difference? Like, if your needs weren't met by your mum, are you more likely to do better work with a female therapist well i think we should definitely have a podcast on this okay definitely but i'm going to answer that direct question since you've asked me directly okay but I, I think this is the perfect grounds for a therapist but as you asked me directly for me personally um you know it, it was important that i had a female therapist okay. i did pick a female therapist i can assure you or perhaps i did somewhere in the fate and uh you know whatever we believe in so maybe maybe i did but ostensibly it was a, a you know a female that that, that that i first went into therapy with and for me personally um and it's a really big question you ask actually um 
it was important it was a female. Now, you can ask lots of other people, and they might say, theoretically, it doesn't matter. That's why I said this should be a really good podcast, because actually, I think it probably does. But we yeah. need another podcast to talk through all this lot. But theoretically, many therapists as well, well, it shouldn't matter. And, you know, I've done lots of therapists about my father, by the way. I've done lots of, but would I, you know, it's a really interesting question. However, for me, personally, I think it, it was the love and connection from a female that I needed at that time in my life um, to be able to go to where I have, you know, where I've now achieved to go to, you know, in terms of yeah. work, male. But I'm glad I started with the female. I I I love our podcast, Bob, and the conversations that we have, because in, in the conversations that we have, there's a lot of curiosity for me that comes up that I think is helping me as a therapist. I've never even thought that before about does it make a difference whether it's a male or a female okay. when we're looking at getting our unmet needs met. Theoretically, most people or a lot of them would say no. Yeah. But I think we need the space for a much larger discussion. Yeah. I mean, I could say, I could sit here and say, well, no, not really, because eventually... You know, I, I also needed to do work around the male and perhaps you could even argue I need to do, needed to do it more. However, in terms of a starting point, I think it was important, important that we started with a female, for yeah. me. Because I'm not sure that clients think about that when they're picking a, a therapist. I always ask them. Do you? What, if they prefer a male or a female? I do all the assessments at the Institute. So that could be six, seven, eight a week. In the in the half an hour assessments, I always ask them that. Yeah. Now, the, you know, answer, oh, no, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter, female or therapist. But if I broke down, I would think, and maybe it's 50-50, uh, uh, they say female, male, male, female, whatever it is. Invariably, quite a lot say I never thought about it. Then you ask them again. So, but when you push them again, they often said, "Well, I'd actually think it might be better with a man." And then we have a discussion about that. So I always ask them out of courtesy and take an account of gender. Yeah. Interesting. It it should be a pot cut on itself. Yeah. Well, I've, I've written it down so that we can do it, but I'm not sure what the title of it will be. <laughs> oh, how, oh, how do, how do you know, something like, isn't important, I don't know the title either, I have to think uh, about that later. Well, that's it. I know it's an important podcast. Yes, I've, I've, written, I've written it down. So, that wonderful. So, it's okay, We it's okay, I think that's wrong. We're, we're pretty much guaranteed to see repetitive cycles in the therapy room. Always. Yeah. I don't like saying 100% in psychotherapy, but I'm saying it 100% here. And, you know, we can look for positive destructive, uh, sorry, positive cycles. Usually people come in, of course, with destructive cycles. Yeah. With an attempt to have a different outcome. Yes. Yeah. But game playing in the therapy room is, you know, is really what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> You know I mean, in transaction analysis, they defined a game. This is why you're using the word games, which I'm not sure why. And this is a personal thing, Jackie. It's really personal. 
and I'm sure I like the word gay, uh, because some people then uh, take it negatively that they're responsible for game playing. And I always have to point out, you know, this is uh, not what it's about. A game, if you want to use the word gay, is a series of behaviours that we play and that we've learned in childhood as a way of surviving and getting our needs met. Which, and as yeah. well, the thing that I say to clients all the time is that it's it's a, a subconscious. We, we're not aware that we're playing the game. It's not that we set out to play this game. So it's not an intentional act. Yeah, no. it's a behavioral cycle, behavior pattern that we that we we choose not necessarily from our awareness. Yeah, uh, as a way of surviving and getting needs best met as we can. Yes, back, back in the day and. Uh, maybe it doesn't work yeah well. yes yeah that's absolutely that's an outdated process and it needs out it needs updating yeah i so, think when i talk about this most well all clients think that it's a conscious thing that they're doing where they're playing mm. with the other person's feelings or emotions and they're playing a game and it's like no that's not what it no. is yeah no. ta that's really defined by burn and you know you, you just said you in life, people pay these patterns out. Yeah. And of course, people will come to therapy. I think it's the therapy's duty to uh, look at these cycles and patterns that have played out in a destructive way, which nowadays don't help us, especially, yeah. especially in communication and relationships. Yeah. Mm. And it is about being curious and peeling back the layers and working it out. And sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right. And that's part of the process oh. yeah lots of inquiry for me about it oh. thank you bob three more yeah you you literally every conversation that we have i i get so curious about things and yeah i, I really enjoy these the, yeah oh, so the next episode is 100 bob Oh, absolutely. I've, I'm going to get the champagne, as I said. I'm going to toast ourselves and all the people listening. And the subject matter we've chosen is? Change. Change. The importance yeah. of the concept of change in the therapy process. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we're also going to talk about celebrating the positive changes as well. But that's a wonderful title for the 100th podcast. Yes. Because I think with the podcast, what we can do is have a season. So this is the end of season one, and we can start <laughs> season two with episode 101. <laughs> that's one way to look at it, yeah. That's a marvellous way to look at it. Yeah, okie dokie. I look forward to that, Jackie. Okie dokie. Until next time, Bob. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another episode.